In today's show, we're talking Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, we did Philadelphia earlier today. We've got Portland today. Fingers crossed that nothing has happened in the last day or so since I recorded this. There's a lot about the Blazers that we don't know, but there's some that we do, and we'll find out what we do know. Is that confusing? I hope not, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble on TikTok at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. Again, this is going out Saturday, Australian time, Friday night, US time. I'm going to close off the entries to the uh, FBI, LOFB, Fantasy Basketball World Cup. But we'll send 144 places out in the next day or two. And then next week, in next week's show, there'll be a separate entry form where you can try to get the next 144 spots. So if you didn't make it into the World Cup, which is a 48-league, 12-team per league, so huge tournament, $20 $20 entry that enables you to see if you can be the best fantasy basketball player in the world. Nine categories, 48 leagues. See if you get there in the end. I've got 144 spots that I'm going to give out in the next day. Another 144 spots that I will advertise in the shows that run next week. And then that'll be 288, bang, done, sorted. So keep an eye out for that. And now we're going to talk Portland Trailblazers with Mike Richmond of the Locked On Blazers podcast. Mike, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back, Joshy. It's uh, it's good to have you here. It's good to talk Blazers, and this is one of the last team preview podcasts I'm recording. And I would have hoped that we got some resolution, much like with the James Harden one that I just recorded earlier. Well, not the James Harden one, the Sixers one that I just recorded earlier on. But alas, we don't. So we need to sort of go through and work out where we currently sit with this uh, situation here in Portland with Damian Lillard. We'll get to that all in a second. But let's have a look because... This team has did make some changes to the roster, but to say that they were inactive in free agency, Mike might be a little um might be a little uh, underselling it because they have currently now correct me if I'm wrong they have currently brought in zero new players who, who uh, weren't drafted. They drafted Scoot Henderson, they drafted Chris Murray, they drafted Ryan Rupert, and that is literally it. That they have not brought in a single other new player. Yeah, they basically only added people that they had to. Right. Like Jeremy Grant, they kind of came up against it. He was going to walk in free agency. They gave him all the money in the world. Uh, congrats to Jeremy. And Matisse Thibel, they had to pay him because he got a contract offer from the Dallas Mavericks. Yep. So only when their hand was forced did they do anything. Otherwise, they might have truly done nothing, Josh, which is incredible when you make a daily podcast about a basketball team. Yeah, it's not even not even a training camp deal has been announced. No, no Exhibit 10s. We've got the two two-way guys who were there in the two ways at the end of last season. They came back, Budgie and Johnny Butler. They're there, but there's, there's nothing else. It is a weird-looking roster. There is only 12 people on it. There are the two two-ways, so 14 included them. They, they still need two players to actually get to league minimum, let alone get to the 21 max they can have through training camp. But, of course, the trade is probably going to bring in extra players when that does happen, but it hasn't happened, and this roster's weird. And look at the guys they, they lost. Drew Eubanks, Justice Winslow, Cam Reddish, Trenton Watford, Kevin Knox, old mate Jonathan Williams, Justin Manea. There's a few others there that I'm not even going to go through because they played about two seconds for the team, but... There was some there that I thought, you know, Winslow, Reddish, whatever, who cares? Kevin Knox, who cares? Even I could say Drew Eubanks and Trenna Wofford, who cares? But I'm not going to say that because I thought they were useful enough. Eubanks was solid enough as a back backup center. Trenna Watford was pretty good. And they just cut Trenna Watford. So let's, can I just talk about that? Why did, why did that happen? Like, they, he didn't choose to go somewhere else. They just said, see you later. Yeah, he came up against a guarantee date and they said, okay, we're going to just let you walk then. They didn't want to guarantee his contract. And at the time, the timing of it was was heading into free agency. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and it was like, okay, well, maybe there's a big move coming. And if there's a big move coming, letting a minimum guy walk because on the backside you have all this money coming in and you don't want to be a luxury tax team because you're going to be bad anyways. Okay, that makes sense. 
but it never uh that thing never arrived that mm. that we're still here um we're recording this in the middle of august uh it just never happened it doesn't make sense i've heard some reporting from uh sean hyken of the rose garden report that the blazers believe that trina watford duplicates some of jabari walker's skill set they don't they don't have any similar skills uh there may be the same heights so maybe they have to guard the same people on defense but their skills are almost they could not be further apart from one another um Trevor Watford's a center. He's just a little person. He's but he's a center. Mm. Um, and it's uh, and Jabari Walker's like a three four in the league. It is it's truly truly bizarre the Trevor Watford thing. Well, then they then Drew Eubanks left. Now Drew Eubanks has gone to Phoenix. Maybe he chose to go to Phoenix. But the address is the bigger thing. You said Trevor Watford's a center. Drew Eubanks is a center. Who's a center on this team? Because it, it is currently Yusuf Nurkic, and he cannot play forty eight minutes a game. He probably can't play 30, 31. At the way, and I know, I know everything could change, but I'm looking at it now. There is no one on this roster who's a center, apart from Nurkic. Yeah, is it? I, I mean, I'll, I'll throw it back at you. Is it Jeremy Grant? Is that their backup center? Or is it Jabari Walker? Or do, or do they is actually it, dust off Ibu Baji? Baji cannot like he can because they're going to be a bad basketball team, so it doesn't really matter. So he can play NBA minutes, but he's not ready. Like he he looked rough in summer league. Mm, he's big. Um, he's he. Yeah, he, he's definitely big. He he looks he is shaped like an NBA center without mm-hmm. a doubt. Um, certainly in, in warmups, like in the layup lines, he'll be the person who looks most like an NBA center on most nights. But I guess it's I guess it's Jabari Walker, or I guess it's a little bit of Jeremy Grant at center. Like um, the real truth is it the real truth is whoever their backup center is isn't on the roster right now. Well, that person will show up in training camp. Their starting center might not be on the roster at the moment either because we don't know what's right. going to happen with them trying to get out of Yusuf Nurkic's contract. Yusuf Nurkic's contract has been the talk so much this off season, so it is really hard to figure out because there's guards. There's a lot of them. We we got plenty of guards. We got guards coming out of everywhere. Centers, yeah, maybe not so much. It is a weird, a weird looking roster at this point in terms of current injuries. Well, Budgie missed all of last season with a knee injury, but he played in summer league. Keon Johnson had another injury with his finger in summer league, but we don't think there's anything serious there. Currently, even though you know Lillard was hurt and Jeremy Grant was hurt and Shaden Sharp got hurt at the end of the season and Matisse Thybul, he was uh, unfortunately injured at the end of the season. Yusuf Nurkic also, well, the timing was amazing. He also got injured at the end of the season. We all think they're going to be okay. Nasir Little, he, he was actually injured, Nasir Little, but everyone should be ready to go um, for the start of the season. Yeah, I would. I'd say Dame has a broken heart. Was maybe the only one you could uh, you, you could list under there. But otherwise, yeah, they're good to go. They got a clean bill of health, which is positive news because that brings us into trying to figure out what the hell a starting lineup would look like for this team. And it is an impossible task that I set you, Mike. You answered it with Damian Lillard in that starting lineup. But the problem is, is if you take Damian Lillard out of that starting lineup, you also don't know what players are coming back. So that becomes an impossible task where you say, well, Lillard's gone and then we'll just put Scoot in there. But then like, who else comes back and what position do they play? So you think that if Lillard is with this team, and this is a great time to talk about this, if Lillard is with this team heading into training camp, this will be the starting five. I'll just quickly run through it. Lillard, Simons, Thibault, Grant, Nurkic. So that begs the initial question. Like, Do you think there is, like Lillard could be on this team come opening night? I My guess has continuously been no, he won't be that the trade will happen. You mentioned that they haven't signed any exhibit tens or, or training camp contracts. They haven't touched the money. They are keeping the money as clean as possible. The only reason you would keep the money as clean as possible is because you're going to do something mm-hmm. right. Um, otherwise you would just build a basketball team. That's going to be competitive. They're the only team in the league that's not carrying at least 13 guaranteed contracts right Correct. now. Um, it's, it is, um, they are, they are aggressively doing nothing. And the reason that you would aggressively do nothing is because the big thing is coming. Mm. But as we get deeper down the line and it hasn't happened, then I kind of think, okay, maybe it won't. Um, I do think, so my guess still, as of recording this middle of August is yes, sometime in late September, as, as training camp comes around, it's October 2nd is, is media day. Um, the Blazers will have a, a, a chance to look themselves in the mirror and say, do we really want to do this? And the final week of September, they'll say, we don't want to do this. And they'll call um, that certain team in Southern Florida and they will make it happen one way or another. Um, trust me, if me and you understand the parameters of the deal, I'm pretty sure NBA front offices could hammer it out over one phone call. I'm not too worried about it. But if Dame's there, I expect he will be the one that forces their hand. He will show up to training camp in shape, ready to go and happy to play and make the franchise say, please go home. 
Like he, he's not going to, he won't, he won't John Wall it on, on his own. Like he's not going to just stay at home and say, cool, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to collect my paycheck. He will make them make a decision. Which makes a really interesting scenario as to how this team or how everything is going to sort of end up and, and look because we just, again, we still don't know where it's going to go in, in terms of you know, when that happens or how, how it's all going to work out. There's just so many questions around it. But I, just focusing on that lineup, people will notice that they have a number three overall pick from this year's draft and a number seven overall pick from last year's draft who probably wouldn't be starting. And there's no argument that Sharp or Scoot uh, are not bit, not necessarily better players, but clearly better pieces of the future than what Matisse Thibel is. So do you think that there is a... And this leads to even further questions later on. Like Thibel, is that just a balanced sort of thing? And he's be playing, yeah. he's like a 20-minute a, a night starter and they rotate everyone else through? Or would they just be like, you know, don't worry about balance. Like, is there a chance that they just, let's just put Shaden out there and then see what happens? I think they might do that after Christmas. Like, I think mm-hmm. that happens 35 games into the season. Coaches still mostly want to win. Like, sure. that's a thing that you, like, is the, is the push and pull stuff. It's like, coaches are going to be like, Matisse Thibel's going to help us win. Like, he can guard. If I put Dame, Ant, and Sharp out there, who are we going to guard? Um, and so I think my guess has been that Thibault will be a low-minute starter. It's like he's an 18- to 20-minute starter, starts most games, doesn't always close games, but can if they need him to for defensive reasons. And that Shaden Sharp pushes up towards 30 minutes because of, because of that. We're going to talk about the rest of the rotation in a second, but today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Football season is here and FanDuel has got some fantastic offers, giving you the chance to win all season long. Right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. Now, Mike, there is not a Portland NFL team, so which NFL team is the team that you're looking at? I am a uh, Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I inherited Pittsburgh sports from my father, um, so... Will, will I wager them to win the Super Bowl and try to collect some wins throughout the season? I will not, but I um, but I still will root for them regardless while putting my money other places. So you put your money on someone who is actually good to get those bonus bets in, get them for the Super Bowl winner, get the bonus bets, then you use the bonus bets on the Steelers, exactly. on their spreads. That's, that's the trick. The spreads, the money lines, the over-unders, the player props, it is all there to be done. So go to fanjul.com slash locked on and you start earning those bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's fanjul.com slash locked on and do not forget to gamble responsibly. The rest of your rotation, those two aforementioned names are there, Shaden Sharp, Scooty Henderson, Old Sterling, Nasir Little, Jabari Walker, and Chris Murray. As you, as we've said, there's no backup center, so Walker's probably going to have to fill that role. This will be a good time, I think, for us to talk about Sterling Henderson and the limited exposure we got to him at Summer League, but he looked everything that we would have hoped, I think, Mike, in that time. He was great in those 21 minutes, 21 glorious minutes. Were you in the gym for those 21 glorious minutes? I was, yes. Yeah, so you saw it up close. Like, he handles pick and rolls. He understands pace. He can get to his spots. He made some pull-ups. Like, he didn't shoot super efficiently in Summer League in those 21 minutes. But just the feel. Like, the dude just knows how to play basketball. He's exactly the type of person, if you were a bad basketball team, that you would like to carve out 32 to 34 minutes a night and say, go figure out how to play because next year and the year after when we're trying to be much better, we would love for you to have played 3,000 NBA minutes or whatever it is, Um, which makes the Damian Lode stuff weird. Mm. Scoot Henderson should play a lot. He should. He should play a lot. That's the. He should be in the conversation for rookie of the year because I think like um, who knows how many minutes Webby's going to play, but if he plays, going to be freaking incredible. Might make the All Star team. Like he's going to be really good. Um, but like he's look at Amen Thompson. Like there's not tons of minutes there for him. Brandon Miller will just like kind of he could he'll he'll have the minutes thing for him. Like Scoot, if he plays the way he should, will be in that conversation for rookie of the year. Mm. Why on earth would you handicap it? I mean, I know why they would, but like this team is set up to be bad and set up to build to what's next. They are so cleanly ready for a rebuild. They're in a weird spot because they maybe don't like the trade offers out there that would help launch the rebuild. 
Yeah, that's the thing. Is that it's uh, yeah. There's a lot that's happening with that, and it is frustrating because it is hard for Scoot to get everything he needs while Lillard is there. And again, I don't think Lillard will be there. But yeah, I did watch Scoot's debut live. I, I was actually standing and talking a lot of plays. I was talking with Sean Hike, and I was there with Danny Morang. I was there with Kevin Pelton. We're all standing there talking together, watching that game, and they were all like equally as impressed by everything we were seeing from Scoot at, at that time. So we, yeah, we really dug into a lot of the things that he does di- even differently from Dame. He's a is a real aggression in in attacking the paint and, and getting to the rim or setting guys up around there, whereas Dame's more likely to be yeah not not settling. So that sounds bad, but like you know more relying on his three point shooting versus Scoot's ability to just put that pressure on and just set guys up under the basket for those easy shots. So it is a little bit of a different play style, and that's also going to impact how this all works if those guys are interacting, going through and working out who's where and who's there and all that sort of stuff. But that also leads me to another point because we can assume. We can assume, Mike, that, that Dame is going to get traded. Whether where it is, I don't, I don't know. When it is, who knows? But I still think that there is... I don't know if it's a problem, but what the hell happens with Anthony Simons here? Because yeah, yeah. Scoot Henderson, starting point guard, sure. Shaden Sharp, probably the absolute ideal starting two. Whereas Anthony right. Simons is like, he probably does his best work as a point guard. He's been playing the two. Where does he fit? Like, I don't think you want Scoot, Simons, and Sharp all starting together. I don't think that's a viable yeah. combination long term. Yeah. So, what the hell happens here? Yeah, I don't. I don't think you can start them together. I think there's maybe some world where they play a chunk of minutes together every night, seven or eight minutes in in sort of the middle quarters. Um, just see what you got. It's not a viable um, competitive lineup just because mm. of the size. Um, and I, and also like, is a 19 year old, a 20 year old uh, chain sharp might end up being a good defensive player. The chances that he's a good defensive player next season seem pretty low. Um, but, uh, it's, I think Ant is a one, like his best, his best skills are on ball That's creation true. stuff. He's good off the ball for sure. But I think like the best version of him has the ball a bunch. I don't think you have to figure it out this season. Like, I don't think you need to trade Ant by February, right? Like I am not in that camp, but I don't think um the best version of like the 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 blazers like vision of the future doesn't necessarily include and if it includes both sharp and scoot henderson because the three of them don't necessarily fit together but i think there's some value in figuring out how much of a three shade and sharp can be and if it's like not at all functional great you got that data and by the middle of december you say cool well that doesn't work let's figure out what's next type of thing but yeah and is ant is caught up in this he's also pretty clearly their best guard like mm. like right now yeah. um i don't think that's controversial i mean I, blazers fans are sometimes mad at me when i say that but like he's gonna be better than those two dudes this year oh, yeah. is that true is that gonna be true next year hopefully not right like hope if it works out for the blazers hopefully not but um, it will be this year. So I, I think it's fine for the next 82 games. The 83rd game next season, I'll be a little worried about it. That leads us to the other big question mark, I think, in that starting lineup, and that is Jeremy Grant, who I guess we all blushed a little bit when we saw the the guaranteed money. We blushed when we saw the years. We blushed when we saw the player option. And we go, okay, that's, that's a lot of money for Jeremy Grant. But he's going to be in a position now without Damian Lillard, probably to be a number one usage player on this team. And there'll be a lot of people out here, Michael, who go, well, they only signed him to that, preserve the asset, he'll be a trade bait later on, Yeah, he'll get onto a better team. But from what I understand, Jeremy Grant doesn't care about being on a good team. He does not care whatsoever. He wants money and he wants touches. Uh, That is exactly why he signed with Detroit to begin with. And I'm not sure he's going to be like angling to get out or that this contract is anything that they're signing him just so they can send him somewhere else later on because he he actually enjoys that situation. Yeah. Uh, you know, he got, I'm, I'm happy for Jeremy Grant. He had oh, a great summer. Absolutely. I'm happy for him. Absolutely. So um, am I. But the, I don't know how tradable the contract is just because of the years. Mm. Um, I don't think the money's too bad, particularly the first two years. I think the money's fine. Um, and I understand the cap goes up. Like I can do the math, guys. I, I'm I'm pretty good at like basic arithmetic. I understand the cap's going to rise, and it'll still be at X percentage or whatever. But just like paying him that much money into his middle 30s seems like it's not going to be super appealing. And like I know Blazers fans have never experienced this in the past, where a good player paid money into his middle 30s is unappealing on the trade market. But I promise you, it can happen. It can happen. It is a possibility. It's happened out there. Um, so I don't know what they do with him. I just think he's going to. Like, 
he's going to soak up a bunch of shots and he's going to be inefficient at doing it as well. He was 43% from the field in two seasons in Detroit as that number one ish type option. He doesn't get big assists. He doesn't generate big defensive numbers. He doesn't rebound the ball. Now he shot the ball really well from three last season, but when he's forced into that number one role, it's really bad and good for him. Get that money, man. But it's, it it is a, it is a weird situation because he is. I, he, I don't feel there's any way he's going to be angling to get out of there because he actively chooses these situations or he has chosen them in the past. So I think that he's going to be. And then what, what does that do for Scoot and for Shaden and for Simons if he's still there with Jeremy Grant's going like, I'm actually the best player on this team. Well, bro, how can we've won five games and it's the middle of February? Like, then how, where, where does that leave you? And then that's where it sort of ties you into a bit of a knot. Like, if you can't move him away for the benefit of not only for your team now, but for the development of other players, like, he's just sort of sitting there. And, it, and it's... Hard to criticize a guy who played as well as he did in his role and stepped up. He was, up, he was back. legitimately good. Yeah, yeah, he was legitimately good last year. Um, but like you said, he doesn't pass. He doesn't rebound. The the best case for like for Jeremy Grant working out, like in the near term, I'm not sure there's like a really good one. But in is, is that Scoot is excellent, right? Is that mm. Scoot's excellent? And then a year two, you know, his fourth season of, of professional basketball because of his two years in the G League, like that he's really good. And then it's more Jeremy's more comfortable being like, yeah, this dude rocks. Like mm. this dude's so good. I can I can scale back to one B because I don't think you can convince him to be one B this year. I think he's gonna put him up. He is going to yeah, I've got him at a pretty high level of shot attempts, like and that's trying to focus it without Dane, but I, I think he's gonna be pushing 18, 20 shot attempts a game, which is a lot. And I think he's gonna be hitting them at a, at a relatively low clip. But if he averaged 23, 24 a night. I don't think that's too much of a... He averaged 22 in that first season in Detroit playing under 34 minutes a night. And given the lack yeah, of... Yeah, like a 25% forwards, usage, right? He had, 20, like tw- he had 28 that year in, in Detroit. I don't know if you'll yeah, quite, okay, yeah. you quite get there with, with Ant and Scoot around and, and even Shaden. But I think he's going to push 24-25 easily this season. Same, same. Yeah, 20, 23 plus is for sure on the table for him. He's going to get the ball and then he's not going to give up the ball. Enjoy the Jeremy Grant experience. Um, you know, he's... Uh, I don't think he's. I wouldn't target him on my fantasy team, but maybe get him late. Maybe get him late. Yeah, he's going to be. Fr- he's frustrating in, in that regard because he does put up the big scoring numbers, but it's just it's always one of those ones where you go, yeah, I just I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what's happening. I don't. It's I know it's not optimal, but it does keep happening. But let's talk about some of the younger guys on this team. These are all the players under the age of twenty three. Scoot, the Shaden, Jabari Walker's twenty one, Ibu Baji's twenty one, Keon Johnson is still somehow twenty one as he goes into year twenty in his NBA career. Ryan Rupert is nineteen, Johnny Butler is twenty. We haven't really focused on Shaden, who was interesting. I thought at Summer League, he put up a few little good moments and then some other moments we go, oh, that's pretty rough. He missed more than one dunk, open court breakaway dunks, which again, didn't make sense. Then he absolutely detonated on Jay Huff's head, one of the best dunks I've ever seen, in probably the best dunk I've ever seen in person, honestly. But Shaden struggled, let's say for the majority of last season, he had an assist rate that would make your eyes water. It was like he was getting like 0.4 assists per game. But then... When all of those other injuries miraculously happened at the same time, he did improve in that area. He did start to improve his ball handling, his passing, his vision, his usage. All that stuff showed out really nicely over those final 10 to 15 games, whatever it was of the season. I didn't see necessarily him doing those things as well in Summer League. And now he goes into a situation where there are a bunch of other players around. So while there's a lot of hype for him, there's a lot of hope for him. What... I'm not. I'm not as convinced that it's going to completely blow up and you know, go huge this season. Yeah, I, I think he is the most likely breakout candidate on the team. Spoiler alert. But um, I, think, I think that's fair doesn't, well. He doesn't have the clearest path. One, where does he play? Like, mm. if Dame's there, what, what does he does he play at all? Like, he's going to play some, right? But like his minutes are going to be deeply limited with Damien lower on the roster. Cause if Dame's there and they let him play, he's going to play 30 some minutes a night. Like that's just how that's going to work. Oh, it's going to be so, just like normal. Yeah. He's just going to play 35 minutes and yeah. then you just have to deal with it. And scoot and scoot Henderson plays 13 minutes a night as a third pick in the draft. Um, Got to figure something out. Um, it's, it's imperative that you figure something out, but like, even with, you know, if you, if you just do kind of sort of basic math, scoot plays, 32 minutes of point guard every time he's going to play 35 minutes he'll play the other 30 30 13 minutes at, that are available there or whatever that is 16 minutes available there and then he's got 19 at, at shooting guard there's minutes to be had there's about a, there's about if there's no dame on this roster there's 30 minutes of two guard minutes for Shaden sharp 
and he could play a little bit of three, but there's, but it's there for him if mm. he, if he wants it. I just think, like you mentioned, his ball handling wasn't there. Um, I think the summer league was pretty troubling. I don't think it's important, but like if you were looking for positive signs, they weren't necessarily there yeah, for him. That's how I viewed it too. Um, yeah, like I don't think it's like a red flag, but it's not. It, there's no good read on it, um, and like he's got skills, but but and he was really good in those final ten games. Mm, but he's yes. 20 years old, and and he's not going to have that same role. Like I think he has a chance to be an 18 plus a night scorer in the league this year, yep. but I think he also has a chance to be an a an 11 point a night guy. Like he has a really wide range of outcomes. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that yeah, 17, 18 points per game is very clearly obtainable. It's just going to depend on how other things fall fall around him. But one thing he does need to improve, he needs to get to the line more because he really didn't do that very much yep. last season. He was in the bottom 30 percentile, I think, or bottom 35 percentile of the NBA at getting to the line. He averaged 1.3 free throw attempts per game in 22 minutes. And he did play 22 minutes. So it's not like he was playing yep. five minutes and then played big at the end. Like he got a sizable enough role. Um, and we talk about like Jeremy Grant and lack of counting stats like he doesn't get assists or rebounds or steals or blocks none of that stuff were big parts of his game last season but in that little stretch down the end 27 3 and 5 27 6 and 6 28 and 6 26 4 and 4 18 7 and 4 like they showed that an ability to do that but as i will always preach as context and even when looking at summer league stuff is it like who else was on that team like who else was playing in those minutes and he was able to do all that stuff but he's not going to be in that situation. He's going to be with Scoot and with Simons and with Grant. And none of those guys were playing at that same time last year. Yeah. And uh, he just, you know, his, the other skills he wants to see, like pull up shooting, shot 25% on pull up threes. Mm. Like he just, the sort of off the dribble game that you sort of need to take that next step. He's got to get there. I think he could be a good rebounder in the league. I think he could end up being a pretty good shot blocker in the league because the athleticism and he has good timing on some like highlight blocks. And if you could turn that in just functional blocks, he can get there. But like I said, it's just like banking on the sort of natural linear progression of a 20 year old, I think is a little bit dicey. Um, he's got a real, he's a real boomer bust guy for me. And if he's good, it really sets the Blazers up a lot for the future. What did you, what did you make of repair at summer league? Um, I liked one end of the court. Yeah. That's, that, that's fair <laughs> uh, enough. Yeah. On offense, he just didn't have it. So let's just leave it at that. On defense, you could really see why he's, um, why he's interesting. He's long. He gets, he really is like interested in, in defending. Like he has the want to, um, you know, they put him as a point of attack guy and he kind of, he messed up some, some dribble handoffs and some guys just like bringing the ball across the court. His length is, is really useful. His, he's got um, enough lateral quickness to guard guards. I mean, it, it, that's like in the, in the it's summer league. So like not deer and Fox or whatever, but like, um, I think he has the tools to be an intriguing NBA player. I think he's a G leaguer this season. Yeah. Look, he might be a guy that in April averages like two steals a game because they're right. completely shut everyone down for those yeah, 10 games. Like just go look at the guys playing for the Blazers in April last season. Like Justin Manea, like Chance Comanche, I think was one of those guys that was playing on yeah. that team. Like there were some, there were some names that were playing on that team and he could get some minutes in that situation. His shooting numbers in Vegas were horrendous. Like he had a true shooting of 30%. He didn't hit a three. He was 50% on his um, free throws. He was 25% from the field overall. Like just really, really bad numbers. But yeah, he's young. He's got a lot, lot to learn and he's not going to be called upon early on. Now, this next question, Mike, I don't know how to how you answer it, but like we know that this team is rebuilding. We know they've got Scoot is the I was gonna say the shining mineral in the middle, which is fitting given the way that his family names everybody. You've seen these all these family names, haven't you? Yeah, they're incredible. It's incredible. Um, I only have one child, and I I kind of screwed up already the the sort of theming. Okay, so if we have multiple kids, like I'm gonna have to, it's gonna be hard. I'm gonna have to sort of reconfigure the theming. But I respect to the Henderson parents; they really did a wonderful job. They there was quite a bit of foresight in um, in naming all those kids, except for one of them. There was so there's like I'm gonna I can't find the names at the top right here at the moment, but it was like there's Sterling, which is Scoot. There's uh, onyx there's marble there's pearl there's emerald or sapphire whatever and there's chris jr as the other one so he probably feels a little bit left out that he's not as shimmering and uh highly prized precious metals and gems but yeah chris jr's chris jr exists i think it's chris i think his dad's name is chris and then uh yeah yeah, yeah. cj it's diamond jade china onyx 
Crystal, Sterling, and CJ. Dang it, CJ. Come on. I knew, I knew there was an Onyx in there. It's actually, that's a cracking name. I know it sounds like a Pokemon, it but it is, a, it's, it, is, it's it, is, it is an amazing name. Um, all right. The next question here is this rebuild. We, uh, that's where I got sidetracked. The rebuild. How many? How long is this project? Because Is it a quick turnaround because you've got Scoot? Like, that's the guy. We're here. We're ready to go. We've got Scoot here as our piece. We do not need to necessarily be looking for the number one pick in 2025, although Cooper Flag would go pretty nice with this group. Is Scoot good enough to keep the, to push them the way that Luca did with the Mavs? Where hey, you actually made us too good too quickly. Is there a risk of that? Do you think, or is this a no? This is a longer, yeah, you know, three year sort of period we're looking at. Well, my theory, um, and I pitched this on Lockdown Blazers, is that this is actually year three of the rebuild. That is, I was they just launched... about to say that because the last two years have not been good. <laughs> yeah, this is year three of the rebuild. They 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 sneak launched it, um, in. Uh, Chauncey Billups' first year. They, 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 like, they sneak launched it by hiring Chauncey Billups. Yeah, they hired Chauncey Billups. And then in January, they were like, yeah, bye. And they pulled the plug. And and, and um, they let CJ McCollum stay home for like a month with until uh, his baby was born. They gave him like two full weeks to let oh, his baby right. be born. It's like, hey, stay home. Stay home. Bud. Yeah, sorry. Then he had like a, some sort of collapsed lung or something that was, that was saying, which was, which was, and did end up being fully healed. And they just said, just stay home until the baby's born, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good, baby. We don't need these 10 games anyways. <laughs> um, so that was year one. They got the seventh overall pick. Um, and, and and Shane Sharp is very promising, yep. um, very promising youngster. And then year two, they just like didn't add um, enough big people to make a competitive roster at any point. Uh, that was like their trick was they were just like not going to be big enough to be a competitive basketball team. Mm-hmm. Worked out great. Nailed it again. Yet again, baby. Sneak, sneak tank. Uh end up you know finishing with the fifth worst record in the league and they only had to really aggressively lose 10 games at the end of the year so they they even could say like they tried for 70 games which is um all all anyone could ask is that was that really what i think i don't i think i have higher standards than that but something like that um so i think this is year three of the rebuild and here's how it works to me if scoot henderson is a top tier star Mm -hmm. then you are then it really is year three because then you don't you aren't star hunting like you said you don't need to get the number one pick you don't need all those things they're gonna stink this year they might end up with the number one overall pick anyways like look at the roster it's just not competitive you know it's like you you've seen it like you just pulled it up like it's it's wild um so they're gonna be bad this year anyways but uh i think this is probably i would expect two seasons in the trough from here on out so i think this year and the following year they'll be truly bad and then they'll try to rise from the ashes just in time to miss Cooper Flag. Oh, Cooper Flag! No, if, if they're bad for the next two years, they get a chance at Cooper Flag. Then twenty twenty five, right? Twenty twenty five. They, they, they don't, they don't yeah. get a chance at a uh, Debanza or Boozer in twenty twenty six, but they get that flag opportunity. So it, it is going to be really intriguing to see how that that because Scoot is going to be good, I'm pretty sure. But it does take point guards usually a few years to really start rolling, yeah. and he's he's going to not really contribute to winning, I would guess, early on. Uh, breakout candidate on this team. You already you already flagged it already. You already gave us the uh, the the spoiler there on on Shaden, but I don't really think how you can argue any other direction. Yeah, it's it's Shaden. I mean, the, the other I think it's weird to pick Scoot Henderson, right? Because like he hasn't played an NBA game yet. Mm-hmm. Breaking out from what? <laughs> he didn't. So you know, Shaden was a he scored under ten points per game last year. He played real minutes, like even before he took off. He played, yeah, I think twenty two on the year. You said, but even before that, with like the thirty minutes a night at the end of the year, he's playing like seventeen, nineteen a game. Like yep. he was, he was up there. Um, he had a real role. He had. A, um, they they made sure he played from day one. Played eighty games. So he's the guy like his upside is like is flirting with a 20 point season on a bad basketball team um you know he's really a a good athlete he's got great shooting mechanics when he actually uses them sometimes he gets a little bit rushed and he went from last year from being like a person who didn't look like he knew how to play basketball because he just was taking such a big leap from high school to the pros to being like a really functional nba player albeit in a weird tanking system so if you think that he can make similar strides he's a chance to be a really special player this year he played 65 games off the bench and he played 19.8 minutes in those bench minutes he played 15 games at the start of 33 minutes, and the numbers are really good. Like 18 and a half, five rebounds, three assists, 45% shooting, 36% from three. He got to the line three times. So they're all really encouraging things. But as I said, like the last eight or so of those games, there was nobody around, and he was able to put up those better numbers. But they, they are huge 
really important numbers that we see we need to see how he's able to take that into next season. But again, there's still that weird crunch of how it works with Simons and Scoot and, where, yeah, and where does he play? And maybe Dame. Like it's that's all that stuff is there. In terms of a regression candidate, who do you think that might be? Uh, I'm going to pick Jeremy Grant on this one, Josh. I'm going to go with Jeremy Grant is most likely to regress. He had his best shooting season of his career last year. Most efficient shooting season of his career. He was great. I went on about this all the time on the podcast because he was knocking him down at like 46%. I said, look, I'm sorry. Jeremy Grant's having a really good season, but I can absolutely categorically guarantee you it is not going to continue like this. There is just no way. He is not this player. He is not this level of shooter. And it did drop. It left him with a season of 40%. But when, then when you look at it, you look back and you go, well, Jeremy Grant shot 40% from three. I go, yeah, but it's, it was like a 40-game massive hot streak. And, and then it did fall away. So I, I don't th- Again, when you look at regression, and Mike, you look at it and you go, which is there a way to go up or is the only way from here down? And you know, I, I feel like it's down. I mean, he had the best. He He's like a career 36-ish three-point shooter. Um, he's never cracked 40% before. He's about to have a huge uptick in shot attempts and responsibility. Even if Dame comes back, mm. there, like Jeremy Grant is going to have a bigger offensive role just because there's there's Matisse Thibault is playing in the starting lineup or whatever it might be. Like, um, and and if Dame comes back, it's not just going to play 82 games. Um, it, so it's it's just like the clock's ticking until he really steps into that role, um, unless Nikola is really ready. Uh, we'll see. So, um, yeah, like Jeremy Grant's going to be worse this year. Is he going to be way worse? We'll see. But he's just going to be a little bit worse this year. He shot 50 out of 101 from three in November. That's basically 50%. And then the next month was 37%, then 38, then 24 uh, in February. He did, though, to to give him credit, go at 41% through the seven games that he played in March. But after a ridiculously red-hot start to the season where he was 60 out of his first 126 shots from three, which is insane, it fell back to basically just being at the 36 37% shooter that he is. And he was a bad shooter through the early part of his career. So he's worked on that amazingly to go from a guy we go, ooh, I don't know if you're even a 33% guy, to be a comfortable 37 38% shooter. That, that's really encouraging. Like he was rough. Like he, what, I'm looking at here, 31 in his first season, 24 in his second season. He had a 29, uh, 29% season for the Thunder back in 17-18. And then it's just worked to become an average to above average player in terms of that deep shooting. But as we referenced earlier, in those years when he was the, that number one guy in Detroit, everything fell away. Like he can't, can't, he can't scale the usage to maintain the efficiency. And that is a real risk factor with the way that this roster currently looks. I was going to ask you, and I still will, the most likely player to be traded. But let's do what most likely player to be traded non-Damian Lillard division. Nurk, I guess, use of Nurkic. Mm. Um, I I think they will. You know, they've they've tried to to some extent to to sort of get off his money, which is funny because they gave him that money. You don't have, you just don't have to give him for a four year contract. You could offer him less money, but. Um, <laughs> The reason, that, the reason they you, gave him that money was so they could, uh, they said, hey, if you just uh, sit these games out, mate, I know you can be a little bit fiery, but how about sit these games out? We'll give you this money, and then that will enable us to get Shaden Sharp and yeah, end up with Scoot as well later on. Entering free agency, Yusuf Nurkic, who has um, the big question with him for a lot of his career's availability. The Blazers convince him to sit the final like 17, 19 games of the season, maybe 22 even full games of the season. They say, okay, you're only going to play 60 games this year, entering free agency, the last probably big payday of your career. Mm -hmm. Wink, 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 here's 70 million bucks. Um, They did it to themselves, and then they've been trying to trade him. I, I think they will try to move off of him. Um, they clearly don't give a crap about centers. Like that's not a problem. They're not afraid to have no. Like that's it's like they're going to be like, oh no, we're too small. Um, <laughs> they're that that's not going to be the limiting factor there. So I think it's Nurk, um, and I would handicap. Uh, I would handicap Ant as the next one, but I but I I think it's Nurk. Let me ask you this question then. Okay, so Nurkic gets quite a bit of hate, honestly. Like, oh, they really need to upgrade from Nurk. But as you said, this team's going to be bad, right? He's got three more years in that contract. It's a, like what is it, sixteen? A bit more, 18 million a year around that that amount, which is it's a decent chunk. But we can reference the salary cap going up. It's not it's not astronomical. Yeah, it's, it's actually fine. It's, it's not fine. astronomical. They're not going anywhere. They're not winning. He's going to be 32 at the end of the contract. If you're trading him away now, you're surely not doing it to get a positive asset back. That's not happening. There's no rush to actually get off his deal. I wouldn't have thought you don't have a young center waiting to come up. 
maybe if you get a number one pick next season and you or a number five pick and you end up with Keller Ware or someone like that and you want us to give him some minutes, ah, fine, two more years left. But I don't. It is a negative contract. He's probably not worth that amount of money at the moment. But who else are you going to have that's going to be out there and can actually handle the ball a little bit, can play some defense, all that sort of things that Nur can do, which is good around those young guards. What's the rush? What's the point of getting? You're not you're not using that money to pay other people. Like, yeah, what's, no, what's the I, need to get off? I hundred percent agree. Like, if you just look at the sort of landscape of free agent centers who might be available, Nurk is, be- is significantly better than your other options. And <sighs> if you are going to build with Scoot, having a functional pick and roll partner for him to play with and learn with and be effective with has some real value. Nurk is not going to screw up a tent. Like Nurk's not going to cause you to accidentally win forty four games. Right? Um, you probably still can lose 50 plus like pretty pretty comfortably with playing him his 29 minutes he's capable of playing each night so um it's like i am if they do move off him and get you know and he's part of some you know multi-team thing that i just can't see through the matrix sure fine there's no problem there but moving him for the sake of moving him i 100 percent agree with you josh there's like there's he probably has more value this season than he's than he would as like anywhere else like certainly not as a trade candidate if you have to pay something to get off him if you or if he's included in a damien lillard deal and part of the lesser return you get back is because you're getting off dames uh money it's a it's stupid it's it's an ultimate there's no yeah. point in doing that this is a man who's seven foot tall he weighs 280 pounds maybe with a bunch of kids out there a couple of them pretty skinny you might want someone out there who can like mix it up a little bit and just be out there to be big and help some of these guys out and again you're not using the money for anything else there's absolutely no need to do it so if this limits your return back that is bad GMing, in my opinion. But am I just a big Nurk guy? Yeah, I do like Yusuf Nurkic. I think he's funny. He's an interesting player who's had some bad luck at times in his career. And that brings us to one of the most impossible things for us to do, Mike, and that's trying to figure out the team wins here. They were 33 and 49 with the 25th best. 25th best? Yeah, that's that's bad, though. Net rating, negative 3.8. Vangel's actually got him off the board. I tried to look. It was there at one point, but it's gone. The over-under yeah, total, it's gone. We can't do it. But we did it. You went 24 and 58. I went 22 and 60. A reminder, the worst team in the NBA last season, the Detroit Pistons, won 17 games. We're going a little bit above that. But this this roster, I think, is better than that Pistons one without Dame because, again, we expect that some players are coming back. The problem with it is it's just so poorly constructed deliberately at the moment in terms of positionality. So, you know, 24, 22, that probably puts them... I'm going to have a look. I think it puts them in my list as... The worst record in the NBA, which yeah, I've got him as the worst record in the NBA, which I think is I think is reasonable. Yeah, I mean, there's they're going to be one of the five worst teams in the league. I think that's pretty pretty oh. safe. Um, it, uh, Detroit, San Antonio, mm-hmm. Washington. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll see what happens with Charlotte, but I think that's I think the Blazers are right in the mix. I mean, with Dame, they were pretty bad last year, right? Like they yeah. would have won. So they he he set out the final ten games, his final game. Uh, either of last season or in a Blazer uniform was March 22nd at Utah. Uh, so that's final 10 games. Let's say they split those final 10 games. With Damian Lillard having the best year of his career statistically, they were a 38-win team. Mm. They lost both of their backup centers. They lost Josh Hart. And they added a 19-year-old who's going to be a big-minute guy this year. They're taking a plunge. Like, they're going to be bad. Um I thought I thought I was going to go under under your prediction at 24, but I'm 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 happy to see you got him at 22, Josh, uh, because it just I just have a hard time seeing them being like oh plucky and surprising, and then one of those teams that really fades late. Like I they don't the roster doesn't make enough sense for them to be plucky right now. No, it doesn't. It would need Jeremy Grant to be a different player. It would need Simons to step up. It would need Sharp to be able to play the three consistently. According to Dunks and Threes and their EPM model, Damian Lillard accounted for 14.3 wins last season. You take 14.3 off that 33, you're looking at about 19, which you know, maybe maybe Scoot gives you one or two. Maybe he doesn't. Most rookies don't give you positive right. positive numbers there. So I think that is yeah, that is absolutely fair. So Fangel, I reckon you could chuck a, a win total out there. I guess that would be screwed up if Damian did play, but yeah, it's not going to make him good, but it would change the win total by about 10 plus. I would guess Mike... Uh, let's let's play let's play some games. That was just a lot of negativity, but that's where the team is. I guess it's a negativity with a positive glance because they're building. The most they're building fun, I will say better. this: the, the most fun thing about being a fan is when a team over overachieves low expectations. That's the most fun. That's the most fun experience that you can have with a fan. You go into you say this team is going to be oh they're going to be 
you know, if you think, oh, this is the seventh best team in the league and they finished third, thinks it's the worst team in the league and they're and they're good for a little while, that's the most rewarding experience you could have as a fan. Yeah. Um, and because also if you're and good seeing it happen with the yeah. young guys as well. Oh yeah, oh yeah. The Blazers are set up to bring people joy. Um, they're just gonna be bad. So you gotta you gotta strap in and kind of find the happiness. Let's find some happiness here because we're playing a grid game for the Blazers. You've got a match between these five teams. So Portland's one of them, clearly. And then it's Minnesota, Houston, Brooklyn. We've got Phoenix and Sacramento. And then we also want, with my other random category here, it's a 30% usage season. Now, I'll get to that one in a second. So what we do here, you can't get a rarity score, Mike, because you're the only one playing. But what we do do in terms of scoring this is I look at the games played between all of the players who played, say, between Minnesota and Portland. I look at their games played for each franchise. I take the smaller one of those numbers, and then I rank them. And if you've played the most, you get 100. If you've played the fewest, you get zero. So we're looking for players who have played, say, 500 games for the Blazers and one for the Wolves, or 300 games for the Rockets and two for the Blazers. And then you rank your scores that way. For the 30% usage, there is no qualifying amount of games played. It needs to be a player who had a 30% usage in a single season for the Blazers. And then we grade those by who has played the fewest career games for the Blazers. So you know some of the names who have had a 30% usage season, but there are also going to be some random guys who popped off for a three-game chucking sample size at some point in their history. That one can be a little bit tougher. Let's go. Where are we headed first? We'll go to the Wolves. I'm going to go Shabazz Napier. The Wolves and Shabazz Napier. Okay. Shabazz Napier, legendary uh, LeBron James recommended draft pick. He did play for both of these teams. That is a pretty good score, Mike. That starts you off with a 13, which you know, puts him like 13th percentile in that in that list of players because he played only 36 games for Minnesota. And I'm going to honestly tell you, I do not remember him playing 30, uh, 36 games for Minnesota at all. He does not, I do not remember that part of his career, but that's because he's Shabazz Napier. All right, what are we doing next? Uh, I'm going to go Houston, yep. Thomas Robinson. Ooh, that is that is an amazing pick. Thomas Robinson, you, your, your knowledge here is because he played at, Quite a bit for the Blazers, 102 games for the Blazers, but he didn't play a huge amount for Houston. For you to remember a former Blazer legend, Thomas Robinson, that heads over to the Rockets to play 19 games. That's impressive. Let's go! 7.41 on that score. That is a really good score. All right, let's see if we can keep the momentum going. Okay, Brooklyn. So the first name that came to mind was Patty Mills, but that's he plays played too many games. But did, but did um, he play too many games for Portland though? That's you got. It's, it doesn't have to be lower numbers for the other team. It can be low for Portland as well. Right, 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 right. Um, let me see if I can go in the way back machine for a moment and think about some of those beautiful, beautiful blue net squads. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> let's just let's go Alan Crabb Alan Crabb off a sheet legend Alan Crabb um, yeah he he obviously played for both teams it's not a bad score you would have been better with Paddy Mills to be honest he, Damn it. he had a uh, 21.04 there for Crabby he played 226 for Portland 118 for Brooklyn as for Mills Mills only played 74 games for Portland, but I'm going to give you some other names here. You could have gone with the Blazers legend Noah Vonley, who played four games for Brooklyn. That would have been a good one. There was another. Oh, how about yeah. how about Winyan Gabriel? Do you remember him playing? Oh, I, didn't for even know, I didn't even know he was played for Brooklyn. No, neither did I. Because he played one game there at some point, and I I don't know when that happened. Um, even Lamarcus Aldridge, with only 52 games for Brooklyn after he. Uh, Came across from San Antonio. He barely played for them as well. Had that heart issue creep back up. Who else is on this list? Shabazz Napier would have worked for this one as well. Reggie Perry. Yep. There you go. Reggie Perry. Oh, Blazers legend Reggie Perry. Yeah. Yeah, he had a few games there. Obviously, Mason Plumley was a high score. The highest score player, the one who played the most games. Let me have a look at that was Buck Williams, who played over, yeah, over he, he 500. For the Nets. Yeah. He played over yeah. 550 games for both franchises. That's a big one. All right, where are we going? Suns or Kings or usage? Let's go Suns, and I believe Sean Marks. <laughs> wow. It's, okay, sure. Wow. Sean Marks. New, Zealand, New Zealand's own Sean Marks. Um, yes, that is correct. He played under 30 games for both franchises. That is a very good score for you as well. That is a 6.90. Mike, you are doing exceptionally well here. What are some other funny names on that one? Who Jamal Crawford didn't. He played for both, and we all remember him playing for both. He didn't play. Yeah. He didn't play much though. Sixty games for Portland, sixty-four for Phoenix. Um, oh wow! Clifford Robinson had the most. He played tons for both of those teams. 
Who are some other? Yeah, four? Robin Lopez is a good one. Um, what about Seth Curry? Apparently, he played two games for Phoenix at some point. Hey, I didn't. I had no idea. I did not know that. <laughs> I, did, I no. Shavley Randolph with thirteen games for Portland. Oh, Shav! How about that? And who else is on here? Joe Klein played seven games for Portland too. There you go. Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr played uh, 65 for Portland and 26 for Phoenix also. All right. Kings or usage? Let's go Kings. Um, and I'm going to go Wenyan Gabriel. Oh, I, I, I triggered the memory there. Wenyan Gabriel is a correct answer. Wenyan Gabriel played 19 games for the Blazers. Do you think he played more or less for the Kings? I'm going to say more. I think he's going to play 22 games for the Kings. He played 11 games for the Kings. There you go. Five, Dang it. A 5.18. That's a really good score. It's a really yes, good score. That's pretty good. Now we're looking at usage. Now I will tell you there has been 14 players in Portland Trailblazers history who have had individual seasons with 30% usage. They Again, it, they do not have to have played a qualifying number of minutes. Just in the games okay. that they played, they had 30 usage. So there are yeah, 14 of them, and we you're, the best score you will get is the player that has played the fewest career games for the Portland Trailblazers. And I will give you a hint. The best score you can get is for a bloke who played one game in a Blazer uniform oh, and had, had 30 usage in that one game. And if you've heard of this guy, well, I'm just going to tell you, you're the winner no matter what. All right, so who, yeah. who are we going to go for? There are obvious answers, but then there are other ones that are not so obvious. So my my gut here is is uh, is Sydney Wicks. I'm sorry to tell you that that does not register. He did not have a 30% usage season for the Portland oh. Trailblazer. The da- Damian Lillard's obviously the highest. He had 30% usage Is Jeff, is Jeff Petrie? Did Jeff Petrie have a 30% usage season? No, he did my other guess. I'll, I'll go through the names. So you've got Damian Lillard, okay. LaMarcus Aldridge, obviously. Zach Randolph was on there too. Zach Randolph was my third guest. Dang it, Zebo. Paddy Mills actually had a 30% usage season. Shavlik Randolph, two names we already mentioned. And then there's just a bunch of guys. Eric Barkley, Gary Grant, yeah. Bonzi Wells. There you go. Um, Ruben Nempard, Lamont Struthers, Rolando... Ferreira, Ron Rowan, and the guy who played one game as a Blazer but had 30% usage in that one game was some person by the name of Roy Hamilton. No idea. Absolutely no none. Idea, Roy Hamilton. There you go. If you, okay, I guess- if you had got that, I would have I packed it up and said you're the winner no matter what. But yeah, you didn't, so bad luck. Too too bad. Zebo would Zebo was a, was the better guess. Did they not? Did they not have usage for guys from the seventies and eighties? No, it goes back. It's no, it goes back to seventy one. So I should. So yeah, I would have had, I would have had Petrie or uh, or Sydney Wicks in there at that same in that like same era. But too bad they passed the ball too much in the seventies. Yeah, too much fundamentals, Mike. That'll bring us to the end of this show. Thank you again for coming on and chatting about this Blazers team that maybe when something does happen and they decide to sign a player or two, maybe we'll get you back on to have a quick chat about how this roster looks differently in a few weeks or months time. But what's going on over at Locked on Blazers? I'm sure you're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs and uh, waiting for something to happen. Yeah, I'm, you know, we're, we're making it happen. I'm trying to avoid spending every single day talking about the big thing. Um, so we've talked about other stuff, uh, including uh, on tomorrow's show. You can listen to it, or I don't know when this comes out. There's a show, late, middle of August, uh, where we're answering the biggest questions that aren't Damian Lillard facing the Portland Trailblazers. And then the schedule comes out later this week and we'll look at the schedule. We're having a whole bunch of fun. So this show will come out Friday night so that you would have already released that by now, Mike. So we can go back yeah, and, that'll go be, back and listen to it. Both of those will be, yeah, both of those will be in your feed. So check them out, check them out. Uh, and, uh, you know, come come hang at the Lockdown Blazers. If you enjoyed my version of happy pessimism, you'll love the show. <laughs> Thank you, Mike, once again for coming on and chatting about the Blazers with me. Thanks for having me. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app and on YouTube. Thumb it up and leave your comments down below. I wish I had one of those like record scratch sounds because I just thought of something I needed to say. I know the NBA schedule has probably come out by the time I've recorded this. I am debating at this stage whether I'm going to immediately release a schedule analysis video for fantasy basketball. I think I might. But as you know, I think it gets heavily overrated and overvalued. And I thought maybe I might wait a little bit before releasing it. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. So that that might come out tomorrow. It might not. I don't know. I'm not going to promise anything at this point. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. <laughs>